Lights, camera, Asia. A look at Asian culture and history through the lens of cinema. Hello and welcome to Lights Camera Asia. Today we are looking to wrap up our coverage of Tokyo Story. The movie tells a rather simple story of an elderly couple who travel from rural Japan to see their children, who live in the island nation's central metropolitan of Tokyo. Instead of heartfelt conversations, the couple is treated with a rather lukewarm attitude from all three of their children. These are all adults with their own careers. Some also have their own families, and they all claim to have little time or interest to spend time with their parents. Instead, the three children make up excuses to send their parents to each other's places. And at the end, the elderly mother dies on her way back home, leaving the elderly father behind to face his life going forward. We've、uh, already covered the story, and we've also looked at how the film's director Yasujiro Osu adopts very unique camera angles to convey a sense of immersion. Throughout the film, the actors almost always talk directly into the cameras, and thus addressing the audience instead of addressing the other parties off camera, and making the audience feel like bystanders, like most movies do. Last week. We also talked about how Ozu deliberately slows down the pace of the film to match the rate of real-world conversations. When people talk to each other in Tokyo Story, we often feel that we are part of that conversation and that we are listening and talking along with them, while waiting for the pauses, the short breaks, and the many hesitations that people tend to have in actual conversations. The pace and the ultra-realism. Makes the film nowhere near as entertaining as your average family drama, but what it loses in entertainment value, it more than gains in immersion. Another part of the aesthetics of the film is the use of still camera angles. In most movies, the cameras move at some point to convey a sense of motion. Either the camera sits still in one place and follows a character passing by in a panning motion. Or the camera sets a fixed angle on a given character and moves along with him or her, so we as viewers feel like we are walking along as well. In other cases, sweeping camera motion is often used to show an expansive landscape. A tilt up or down motion can be used to show the height of a building or the depths of a ravine. Not to mention, in action sequences, sudden movement of the cameras are also used all the time to convey the speed and the power of the motions. In some extreme cases, a film can be even shot with one continuous shot. The camera will swoop in and out of hallways, gliding along the room, just to follow the character without cutting. However, Tokyo Story employs almost none of these common techniques. In fact, I rewatched the film very, very carefully just to get an accurate account of its camera use. And in all but one scene, 
which shows the elderly couple walking along the wall about five seconds, the director never uses any motion at all. This means that excluding that five seconds, the entire film, all two hours and 15 minutes of it, is shot with static cameras, and all changes in perspective are achieved through cutting. When a group of people talk to one another, we see the cameras cut back and forth. When the elderly sit along a beach, we see them from a distance sitting motionless to talk to one another. When we see the occasional movements in the screen, such as when the children run across a hallway or when a few waitresses clean up the sheets in a spa, we see these characters move in and out of the given place and the camera frame itself stays stationary from behind all the way to the end. The effect of this consistent still framing is very, very palpable throughout the film. As we said earlier, the film's pacing is already quite slow as the main characters engage in conversations at a glacial pace. The motionless cameras further add to the sense of stillness. It conveys multiple layers of stillness. First of all, us as the viewers feel still all the time. It is as if all that we do throughout the entire movie is to sit there and either converse with the characters or to watch things unfold right in front of us. While we are very much involved in the conversations, we feel very distant from the things that take place around the characters. And this deliberate choice is very effective in helping to convey the sense of loneliness and helplessness of the two elderly protagonists in the film. While their children talk to them, and when they occasionally engage with other people, they are largely ignored throughout the film. And along with being ignored comes a sense of powerlessness. The sense that there is nothing that they can do when their children ignore them. There is nothing they can do when their children send them all across the city instead of spending time with them. There is nothing they can do when they look at their grandchildren run around the house except for wishing them to grow up as quickly as possible. The sense of powerlessness gets stronger and stronger as the film unfolds, and we, the audience, feel every bit of it when sitting across the other side of the motionless screen. Another effect of using motionless camera angles throughout the entire film is to convey the timeless nature of the story. We know that most of the film's plot takes place in 1950s Japan. The country at the time was undergoing a post-war recovery, and its economy was advancing at a super rapid pace. In fact, many Japanese movies made in the 1950s, so during the same period, portray the country as a useful and very optimistic one. However, Tokyo's story is a far cry from that. It focuses on issues that are much less glamorous. The rapid expansion of the metropolitans like Tokyo meant more and more people, especially the elderly, are moving to the suburbs. The distance between families increases, and this means a gradual but sizable shift in family dynamics. 
the olden days when the several generations of a family live under the same roof are fading into the background gradually. And in its place arises a new type of smaller families, or as we call it, the nucleus families. From a functional and financial standpoint, these new generation of families are much more capable of surviving on their own without relying on the support of their elderly. And this newly gained sense of independence also means that these families are less emotionally attached to their elder generation as well, and less so to each other. And that's what Tokyo's story is trying to show us on a deeper level. The experience of the two elderly is a reflection of an entire generation who's feeling increasingly detached from their children in post-war Japan. At that stage, the economy is moving at a million miles per hour, the younger generation is riding the waves, and the older generation are left behind. So with the film's message in mind, we look once again at the director's choice to use static cameras throughout the entire film. I think he wants us to really gaze at every scene, and to feel the sense that this issue that troubles this particular family is actually much bigger. It is something that permeates in Japanese society on many, many levels, and its effect is ever-present. By keeping all the cameras static, Ozu effectively turns every scene in the movie into a still photograph. And when we look at it from that perspective, we are more so looking at a slideshow than a traditional movie. The director wants every scene, every location to be seared into our memory. He wants us to look and look very hard at the family lobby where the elderly have disconnected conversations with their children. At the hallway where their granddaughter run around while giving them little attention. At the seaside where they gaze into the endless ocean and ponders about their own fate and the future of their offsprings. On the tea house, where the elderly man shares the experience of being abandoned by his family with his old pals with similar experiences. The list of locations goes on and on, and we, the audience, are asked to come along. Not to enjoy the ride in the traditional sense in a movie, but to sit quietly and truly see and soak in the situations that the protagonists go through and to feel their pain and joy in a very, very involved manner. In a broader sense, the director has shown an issue that perpetuates in the Japanese society and for ages. The increasing generation gap doesn't just happen in this family. It has happened to a generation of post-war Japanese families who undergo drastic economic and political shifts, and to the next generation, and the next, and beyond. And while the phenomenon was still in its infancy stage when the film was made, we now see how wide-reaching it truly is after over 60 years. That speaks volumes about the film's foresight. There is, I believe, much, much more to say about Tokyo's story. It truly is a profoundly rich film on many, many levels, and I think even after four episodes, we've only covered parts of it. I 
what we've talked about within the time that we were given has helped showcase the film's brilliance. So we're going to wrap up this miniseries on this film. Next week, we'll continue the theme of films that focus on people's daily life, and we'll look elsewhere. Thank you so, so much for listening to Lights, Camera, Asia. I'm Jake Chen, and I look forward to talking to you next week.